This is the Mindvox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs. Mindvox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a triggering or sensitive nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description, so please read these before listening. Please note we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod or contact us, find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the name Mindvox Pod. Hi everyone, today I'm going to be talking about clutter. Uh, I don't, I'm dreading this in some ways because I am quite a clutter hoarder. But anyway, um, Today I've got Daisy Cordell with me. She is a professional declutterer and organiser and specialises in helping people find easier ways to declutter and maintain their homes. She believes clutter can negatively affect daily well-being and understands how overwhelming it can be to try to declutter. Decluttering has always been a hobby for Daisy and during lockdown she turned this passion into a business called Whole and Home. During her time working with clients, Daisy has created a range of strategies to help people keep their homes organised to maintain their well-being. So I'm hoping Daisy's going to talk to us um, and give us some nuggets of gold information about this, including strategies for people with ADHD, autism and mental or physical health conditions to help them also navigate the joys of clutter. How are you doing, Daisy? You all right? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on because, like I said at the start, this is a topic <laughs> I try to avoid at my own home. I pretend it's not there, but yeah, I'm really, this is the right time of year for me to be speaking to you, I think. This is the time to get it all out, hopefully, and get motivated. It so, is for many. <laughs> so you're a professional declutterer and organiser. Mm-hmm. I briefly said about lockdown, but how did you, you know, what, what sparked you to turn it from a, a hobby into an actual profession? It took a long time, to be honest. It was something that I've I've always been interested in organising ever since I was a little girl. I was, you know, ever since I had my own got my own bedroom when I was a teenager, um, and I I went so far as to have a guest book and a guest chair because I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit funny like that. It's amazing. Want, <laughs> I know. I didn't. I didn't want um, people to mess my bed up, and um, yeah, I was a bit obsessed, and it's always been that way for me, and I think. Equally, I've always been interested in well-being and, you know, in mental health. And but I couldn't I just couldn't connect the two. And so I thought that for a long time, I thought that me me sort of neatly arranging my home and tidying it was quite a superficial thing that I liked to do. And it was only I I don't know, it was maybe three or four years ago. I just started reading loads more books about decluttering and organising and book after book was telling me about how if you know how clutter affects your mental health and how you know how it's really connected and it it kind of just tied in for me I was like oh it, it really is connected it's the it's my two kind of best you know most interesting topics for me and and now they're kind of whole and I think ever since that moment of realizing that I thought it made sense for me to do this as a career and so it's been a sort of slow progress in in getting that set up and and then sort of lockdown came about and and having more time at home obviously was another signal of oh well this is a sign for me here I'm at home all the time and and it's it's showing me even more how how the home is important um for my well-being and also obviously just having more time being at home 
gave me the time to to start my business. So yeah, that's, that's brilliant. How it came about. And I guess you were saying you didn't realize how how it could help with well-being. That would be one of my key questions. What are the benefits of decluttering on our well-being? Well, I think clutter it it impacts people. It's really personal in how it affects people um, and the reasons why we hold on to things. So it could be you know the sort of more physical aspects of the of the clutter that we're having in our home. You know, like. If we've got a lot of clutter, um, it could be, for example, if we've got a lot of clutter, it could be a fire safety issue, you know, for getting about safely. Organisational wise, it could, you know, having not knowing where things are. I can't remember where I, I, I heard it before. I heard a quote that said something like we spend a year of our lives trying to find things in our home. Um, well, I think I spend a lot more with my ADHD. I, I, think, I think some <laughs> I think people I do. So much more. I'd probably spend half my life looking for that. But no, that's really interesting. So loving yeah. neurotypicals can spend a year. So we're not alone. Well, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, maybe more. Um, but I just, I think our, our environment really does affect how we feel. You know, I mean, we can look at that as though our, our physical body, we know our physical body and our mental health, if, you know, it's, it's uh, looking after our body is essential for our mental health. And I see our home as as a close extension of our body because it's where we keep the things that define us. It's where we keep the things that are our chosen items and they're part of our identity. Um, and it's where we spend a lot of our time. Um, so looking after our home means we're essentially looking after ourselves and our well-being. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, actually. You don't, you don't always think that it's like an extension of all of that. So. no. Yeah. It may become a quote on my Instagram. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I've got a feeling that I like that one. I guess, what are the different types of clutter? Because I'm assuming there's not just one standard type for people, especially like you said, because it's individual to us. But with the clients you've had, are there like categories for clutter? Well, there are, there are different types in so much as you've got the physical clutter that we have in our home. And I think that's the clutter that most people think of as clutter. Um, you can also have digital clutter. Um, and this is more common in the workplace. You know, how are you arranging the files on your computer? Do you know where things are? Are you just um, lots of people have WhatsApp these days and their photos automatically get uploaded to Google Cloud? And then, you know, they've got picture after picture. How are you able to then find the pictures that you really want to keep if you've got, you know, thousands of thousands of, of, of memes saved? Um, so digital clutter is one that I think people don't really think about time-based clutter is another one how are you spending your time are you um you know and this is a big one for parents or busy working people it's are you, are you taking on too many things um and then I think mental clutter as well is, is a big thing you know it's, it's your thoughts so are you is have you got a lot of unfinished business in your life that might be you know cluttering up your mind is there a phone call that you've been putting off making that you you know it's it's much more than just your physical the physical things in your home I think um but yeah it's very personal to the to the person as to what is clutter for them that's really interesting because I already thought well yeah there'll be sort of mental clutter and there'll be the physical but I didn't think about digital and about time that one's yeah, even more time. interesting because 
I may need to ask you back to have uh, <laughs> episodes on time-based clutter and digital clutter because there's a lot there. I've heard, you know, before that some people will say yeah, you can end up with loads of stuff in your phone and on your cloud of lots of photos mm. that you're never going to bother unless it's moaning at you on the same. It moans at me that you're about to hit the limit of storage and then suddenly I've got to try to find hours and hours to go through screenshots that I never wanted to keep but didn't realise they'd gone up and things like that. So I can see how and even old contacts, I don't even remember who they are. And I'm like, why have yeah. I still got that? Because you just never think to go through it and get rid of it. But I bet doing that probably feels quite nice to clear it out. Yeah. Just like when you clear something physical in front of you. I suppose having a phone that's got, I don't know, suddenly goes from, oh, I've only got like half a gig left to suddenly having like 20 gig of memory. It must probably feel quite satisfying. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I, I'm quite guilty of the phone contacts one as well, because I don't I'm not that I'm, a, I'm not aware if there's a limit for the contacts you can have. So that's not something that I've actually thought about. But, I, you know, I can definitely see how that would affect um, affect you as well. But, yeah, I think it's, it's just something so simple as when you log on for work in the morning and seeing you know, if you've got f- files on your on your laptop of each specific kind of area of your work, it's so it just makes it easier to work, you know, like where things are. Yeah. And definitely with the pictures, I'm, I personally I make a habit of like once a week or once a fortnight sort of spending. Usually if I'm like, you know, like going to the dentist or something and you're in a waiting room, it's a good time to clear your digital phone clutter. And so I just spend five, 10 minutes then looking through my pictures and, and letting go of any of the ones that I don't want to keep. I highly recommend it as a way to pass the time if you're waiting in a queue for something. Yeah, that's a good idea. Most of the time I'm just browsing social media, but actually yeah. I could be getting a bit proactive in those those times where you're really bored. That's a really good idea. Yeah. But I guess with the time-based clutter, how would you try and improve that? Or, or actually, to start with, how would you notice if you were doing that and you were starting to to get what you call time-based clutter? I think you'd be feeling stressed out and probably close to burnout you'd be feeling exhausted and how would you if there any tips of of trying to manage that like you've just done a, a nice little easy one for, for the social media and stuff but is there anything that that can help you when you're starting to recognize that if you're not careful you're going to go to burnout stage yeah so I think um it starts with time mapping so if you can maybe for a week or two um, take note of how you're spending your time and that includes how much time you actually spend for example googling on your phone or on social media it includes things like that that you would might have put pinned down to you know maybe time wasters but then yeah just how you're spending your time and then you can look at that and, and maybe assess what things can actually cut down on are there any that I can delegate to other people any tasks um, and another thing I think it was it helps you because you can see how long it takes you to do things. Um, and I think it's especially safe with the morning routine. You're more, you, you know, we don't always have morning routines, not all of us, but we generally do, even if we're not aware of it. Um, and I think you can sometimes get a bit sort of confused in how long you think it takes to do things. For example, oh, it takes me half hour to get ready in the morning. But actually, have you tried timing it? Have you tried timing how long it takes you to make your bed, have your cereal, you know, do a quick clean up, get yourself ready, being being more aware of how long it takes you to do each of these individual things would help you to not then underestimate the the time it's going to take. And then you're not constantly rushing around running late for everything because you'll give yourself a bit more time for those things. Yeah. And I guess online, do you think there would be free like, even templates 
to, to actually map out time. So it's already there. You just need to fill it in. I imagine there's so many templates for all these other things, like whether it be diet or trying to check out what you're eating for intolerances. There must be, if I suppose if we searched time mapping, we might end up getting free results. Or do you know any off the top of your head? I personally use Google Calendar and I love it because you can colour code each activity. So I've got, for example, light green is exercise and work is a certain colour and yellow is social occasions. Um, Google Calendar is really good for that. Oh, see, I use Google Calendar. Did not know I could colour code. I just oh my goodness, I love colour coding. I just list in everything's blue and white on mine. I, I, okay, oh. so I guess then you could really see physically. You could see a colour yeah. pattern if you did allocate it to everything. After all, oh, hang on, what's got the most colour? What's got the least? And am I happy with with what that is, or do I need to make space for? I don't know, maybe downtime or something, which maybe there's none of that on there. There's none of that colour and I need to put it in somewhere. That's a really interesting way of doing it because I'm quite visual, so that would probably work quite well, actually. Hmm. And I guess my other question with clutter, when we're looking at the physical clutter Mm -hmm. in particular, which is the one everyone seems to you know think of when we say the word clutter, how do we know when it's more than just clutter, like where it's starting to become a a, a problem where we might need support? I think... I think if a common thing that clients say to me is that they just don't know where to start they feel overwhelmed and I think if you're getting to that point um, then it might be a good time to get some help Um, and friends can be very useful help but a lot of the time uh, clients do come to me and they say oh my friend has helped me tried to help me previously and it was useful but actually having a professional is so much better because they kind of keep you on track in the way that a friend might not be able to and can help you in a more impartial way if that makes yeah. sense yeah and I guess there's also the far extreme would be something like hoarding disorder isn't it which is yeah. very different isn't it in how you would handle or manage that yeah, it's very different. Um, so I would say the I get a lot of people saying to me, "Oh, I'm I'm a hoarder," and I think the way the main way that you would tell if you have hoarding disorder or if somebody close to you has hoarding disorder is if it generally if you're decluttering, um, you would find that as as your decluttering time goes on, you'll feel more a bit more lighter and a bit more free a bit more uplifted positive about the experience whereas people with hoarding disorder um, generally would feel more anxious so the thought of decluttering something makes them feel really anxious because it's it's so attached to them or they might be even become distressed by it I think the problem is like with sometimes even things like OCD um, mm. hoarding and the, those sort of words they use so loosely now yes. um, that people might band oh yeah I'm trying to clean that oh you got OCD or something or you know oh I'm a hoarder but actually these are serious medical conditions and neurodevelopmental conditions for things like OCD for instance and and I guess yeah it's it's trying to establish whether you do have that or you're just you think you just or actually you've just got quite a bit of clutter but as soon as you take it away if you're fully relieved and happy and you're mm. excited that oh, I've got this space now. I guess that would definitely differentiate that you don't. And I mean, I, I'm not an expert on it, but I also I've watched quite a few documentaries on it, and I noticed that, like you said, even the thought of actually getting rid of one thing can feel yeah. horrible to someone with that disorder. Whereas yeah. to me, I want to get rid of it. I, I'd love it. I just it's so overwhelming to Stephen. So I'm overwhelmed at the thought of trying to do that. Like I guess they yes. would be, but I actually would feel a sense of 
relief and joy if I did get rid of it. So I guess that is the way you kind of simply differentiate it. But obviously, if you, I would, I would say, I'm assuming you would say, if someone was concerned that someone might have that, that the safest route is is that to approach doctors or therapists to find out. Because I'm guessing it's now classed as a medical like, uh, sort yeah, of yeah, disorder. Yeah, yeah, hoarding disorder. Yeah, yeah, it's an actual disorder. Yeah, so I'm assuming, I mean, if I find anything, I'll put links in the show notes if anyone yeah. is, um, because I think that is quite, it's something that hasn't really, I don't come across very much. But yeah, what I will ask as well is letting go of things. Mm. That can be really tough. I mean, for me, I think because of my ADHD, I'm, I'm learning that I forget things unless I visually see things. So my mm-hmm. memories are very they're not great unless something like a photo or I don't know, a bit of music or something I physically kept from an activity will then help me remember something that I just probably would never remember otherwise. Um, but obviously this isn't just about ADHD, but letting go in general, especially if it's stuff that you tie emotion to can probably be really hard. Um, and I wondered in your time working with, with various people, what tends to be the different barriers to being able to let go of, of clutter? Um, so I think the the main one um, or the main few would be the one, one of them is that sentimental items and that's kind of an obvious one um, you know specifically if somebody's particularly if somebody's bought you something or um, or you've had something for a long time or it's a hand-me-down that you're quite attached to that's an obvious one um, and another another one that I get a lot is um, oh, this would be useful. I might need this, um, which I think is attached to that kind of future fear, perhaps. Um, I worked with one lady, for example, she'd, um, she was downsizing after the death of her husband and she found it very easy actually to, to go through and let go of um, some of the like personal, like Valentine's cards and whatnot that he'd given her over the years, but she wouldn't let go of a carrier bag <laughs> because it it might come in use. That's interesting. It's, it's, yeah, I thought that was yeah. Is there a way of knowing? Sorry to cut in. Is there a way no, of, of knowing how to approach that with people? Because I I can be guilty of that, but there's also a lot of people in my family that are always like, oh, let's keep these three hundred wires. Um, you never yeah. know when we might suddenly get a plug that requires this wire from 1975 <laughs> um and you know keeping lots and lots of tupperware i can be guilty of that but i do tend to break it so that's probably why but you know keeping it like the carrier bags used to be but now we don't really get given them i don't think that's mm. such a thing anymore because we reuse but is there any tips for when you're sitting there thinking oh but i might need this like how to overcome that or is there questions you should ask yourself to work out if that is something you should keep so I think it comes down to space. If you have enough space for it and you feel like you're happy keeping it, then I don't see a problem with you keeping it or with someone keeping it. Um, however, if if you have got if you are limited on space, I'd say the thing that to do that would usually help, because often these things come in groups, people often if it's something that they they find is useful, they usually have more than one of them. Um, usually a backup or something or, or in the case of carrier bags a lot of them so I'd say round round all the things up round them all up and, and group them together the, these these categories these items that you have a lot of um, or that you're feeling might be useful and that that would help you to gain some um, perspective on actually with the for example with the case of the carrier bags I have more than enough now for 10 lives let alone you know a, a bag for life it's so I think that can definitely help yeah and then as I say I think if it's if it's something that you've got one backup of I don't 
see a problem with um keeping that if you've got the space for it it's we don't have to keep only one of everything in our house yeah how did you manage to tackle with that lady were you successful with her plastic bags yeah we literally we literally got all of them together and they were in they were in all all sorts of drawers and um yeah actually she'd stopped using her she didn't use her dishwasher um but her dishwasher was full of these bags as well it had become a bag storage wow and that's yeah, like sex in the city when she uses her oven for her sweaters yeah for, for the hat, yeah, for sweaters, yeah. Um, so yeah we just literally rounded them all up together and um she had a bit of a chuckle about it and then we picked the best the best kind of bundle to save and, and let go of the rest yeah that's a good idea because I think yeah we have sometimes got a habit of maybe leaving them in different places and not realizing how many we've got until like yeah. you said you put them all in one one spot and then it can be like oh my, I've got loads I didn't okay I don't need that many um yeah. and even getting rid of some is better than none so that's a really good idea and I think I read something a while ago about asking yourself the question of well how long have I had this and have I used it in the last is it like year or two years you make a decision mm-hmm. on a timeline if I haven't used it in like two years it's unlikely I'm going to use it in the next two years do you know what I mean and then or, you know, is it something that's really expensive to replace if I do need it in five years time? Or is it just a £1.50 lead or something or battery that I could buy if I need it rather than keep it f- just in case for the next 10, 15 years? I mean, are those techniques that are useful or are they not? Yeah, very much. I think it's um, it comes down to the individual. I find with decluttering, a useful thing I find, like, would help people is to distinguish whether you're more of a thinker or a feeler um I'm a I'm more of a feeler personally um but I do work with you know a lot of clients who are both or you know either um so if you're more of a feeler it can help to um perhaps during decluttering to start I usually say with a client to start by picking the things that you want to keep and then go from there and when you're going through you can immediately see the things that if you immediately pick out anything that you don't want to keep that's fine you can just like put those to one side as well and then what you'll have is um things that are on the opposite end of the stick you know you've got the things that you really love and the things that you really don't love and that makes a really good comparison for how you 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 feel about the items in between um if you're if you're a feeler so you can you can even go so far as to say um oh how do if you're doing for example jumpers pick out your favorite pick out your least favorite pick up a jumper in the middle add it to the favorite pile and think how do I feel about this pile now that I've added this item do I still love this pile now um and if you don't it might be an indication that that item doesn't belong with the things that you want to keep um, so that's that's one for for for, for the feelers. Um, if you're more of a thinker, a bit more of a logical person, then some of the limits that you were talking about, I think, can be very helpful, such as setting setting yourself limits, such as have I used it in a certain amount of time? Or um, another one is, does it fit in a specific box? So, for example, sentimental items. Um, I'm, I want to keep a box of sentimental items. Um, but once this box has is full, I'm going to need to then go through it and declutter some of it in order to be able to add more. So you're setting strict boundaries and limits for yourself. And they can they can work really well for, for someone who is more of the kind of logical, logical people. 
And is there a way of working out which you are? Is there some sort of, oh. like, I don't know, questions or, or things to look for to work? Because I'm sitting there going, which one am I? Because I could kind of see myself in both, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I I first discovered this on the, I think it's the, you've ever heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test? No, I'm obsessed with the Myers-Briggs. That. It's like 16 personalities, I think it's called, the website. Um, it takes about 15, 20 minutes, and it gives you your personality type. Um, and it breaks it down into four, you know, the 16 types, but w- one bit of that is whether you're a thinker or a feeler, and it gives you a percentage even of, of where you sit on that. So as you say, you think you can see traits of both, you'll be able to see, oh, actually, maybe I'm sort of 46% some, you know, thinker and, and 54% feeler. So yeah, I'd recommend that one if you want to, to check, but I think there are t- tons of tests online for that. Yeah, that sounds um, something I've got to go and find. Yeah. I think it's. I think looking back now, I can see myself as logical, but I think when I'm actually in front of things and I'm having to get rid of them, I've got a feeling I'm probably more of the feeler that you described, and that I will set emotions to some of the things because I'm. It's that fear of forgetting otherwise. But with practical clutter, it's like. But what if I lose it because I lose a lot of stuff because I've ADHD, and then I need to have another one to find. You know, so it's. Yeah, I can see how I could probably mix into both, but it is an emotional thing to do. It's stressful and it takes a lot of time. So I can also see why we put it off, especially. And mm. the, but the problem with that is your clutter gets probably bigger and bigger and bigger. So the task gets more and more overwhelming. And then it gets to a point where you really don't want to touch it because you know it's going to take you a week to get through and so you just there's always other stuff to do in life isn't there you've always got chores to do you know if you're a parent you've got school runs and homework and entertaining kids you've got relationships you've got work there's all these different things it's really easy to just go at some point when I'm next got a day off I'll do that or you know when when we next got a school holiday but it's really hard to actually then get into the motivation of it isn't it so like is there ways that you can sort of get your mind (laughs) ready to do it in the first place when it's got to that stage I think first of all set aside a time in your diary and um, I would highly recommend if, if people don't keep a calendar of you know their day as I said earlier with the Google um you know using Google I'd recommend doing that at least for the main activities in your day carving out a time as though it were an appointment would really help and I would suggest if you're not used to decluttering and you're just starting out, um, carve yourself an hour or, you know, two hours if you're feeling optimistic. But don't do the whole day because you'll just end up with things everywhere and you'll end up really tired and demotivated. You won't want to do it again. And then what can help as well is to to get prepare yourself physically. So have have a bag ready for charity shop items, have a bag ready for recycling, have a bag ready for rubbish. And then I think to stop the overwhelm, just take it a bit at a time. Don't don't think of it as, oh, I've got this whole room or this whole house that's cluttered. Maybe just try and do one drawer or, you know, one tiny section of a room. Yeah, no, that that's a quite a good one, I think, to to help most people. So when looking at that, like you said, breaking it down and just doing an hour that sounds great and I would probably work really well with that but with Mm. my I keep boring myself saying with my ADHD um, (laughs) I can struggle with that because if I finally get out of the ADHD paralysis to do the task Mm. what can happen is time blindness so the hour before the school run 
I then I'm late because I'm not realizing how long I've taken. I underestimate how long something's going to take. So I'll pick a task that probably is way longer than an hour. But then if it's working for me and I'm getting reward, oh, look, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. Oh, that's going in the bag. That's going in the bag. Oh, this is brilliant. And getting that dopamine hit of, yes, I'm getting this done. Then my my head will go into hyper-focus mode and it will want to stay and do that. And, you know, you hear loads of us that we will do it for 12 hours straight. We'll forget to go to the toilet, have drink, have food. We'll just hyper-focus because we need to get it done. And, and that's a problem. You can spend six months not doing anything at all with it and avoiding it. And it becomes a massive clutter. And we're in the paralysis in our mind. But then when we finally get into it, we don't stop and we go manic and we don't even stay hydrated. So I guess, <laughs> have you, I don't know if you've worked with people with neurodivergence and, and how you, if you've got any tips that can work for, for the way our brains work, which is quite different. Um, so yes, I have. Um, and in fact, a lot of my clients actually do have ADHD. Um, I think it's kind of a thing of connected with, it can be connected with dis- disorganisation and ADHD is quite a common thing. Have you tried... The obvious one would be to have you tried setting a timer? Yeah, well, I think I, I have that thing of mentally, I assume, all right, I've got an hour, let's keep looking at the time. And so occasionally that does work. But then what happens is I've taken on a task way too big. So yeah. what then happens is I've started on, I don't know, there's a box under the bed that I've started to go through. And the problem is I've not done it very well or very quick, or I've got a bit confused. If I'm not in hyperfocus, I'm slower. And yeah. then at the end of that hour, there's now loads of contents all around the room on top of the yeah. other cluster. <laughs> so it looks even worse. And it's even, you know, or I've opened or started three tasks in that hour rather than just completed one because I can't yes. stay on task. So now there's three brand new ones out ready and I will not finish them. And they might sit there for six months, like the half painted fence I did in summer in the <laughs> garden that's still got the pot of paint out there in hour in winter. And I've not finished it. There's a lot of half done tasks. So I don't know if you've had that with. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a common one um and it is difficult and I think actually we all struggle with that somewhat I know I do even in my own home sometimes I'll be like oh I'm just gonna sort this cupboard out and then suddenly I'm like because it's that thing if oh you find something in the cupboard that relates to another place and you're like oh I'm gonna do that now and then and you can end up on a big trail around your home as you say and so I think it's that's why I say limit it to an hour because it's hard to make yourself to be strict with yourself to focus. But within that hour, perhaps it might help to um, or two hours or however to be really, really like have miniature sessions within that of, of strictness to so say for these. I'm going to set a timer for have you heard of the pom- Pomodoro technique of I've like 25 minute timers? They say that like focusing we should work in 25 minute chunks followed by a five minute break and I find that doing a similar thing like that with decluttering can be helpful for people with ADHD so that you're it's hard I I realize it's really hard but saying for example you say I'm going to do under the bed take the things out from under the bed and and say for the next 20 minutes I'm not allowed to, to go and pick this item up and move it elsewhere in the house. If I see that it belongs or relates to something else, I'm going to leave it in this pile here. And I'm literally going to set this 20 sec- um, twenty minutes, for example, to just do underneath the bed. And then if there's anything that does relate to other areas of the house, it's then in a neat pile ready for once that bit's done. And it is really difficult to make yourself do this. Um, but I think it just takes practice. Um, and 
And I think something that can help, um, something I, I find um, a lot of clients with um, ADHD struggle with is, and I don't know about yourself, is perfectionism. It's like you say, you become hyper-focused on this one thing and on, on getting it really perfect. And that part can actually, it feels more rewarding at the time to be, for example, decanting our spices into nice jars and neatly labeling them and making that spice drawer look perfect. It can feel really fun and rewarding. And that's actually the most fun part. Um, it can be the most fun part of the decluttering and organizing process. So I think as well as setting yourself the strict even stricter time limits on how long you spend on things. If you can use, use these things as rewards. So say I'm going to set my timer for 20 minutes now and I'm going to do under the bed or the miscellaneous drawer or this boring bit that I, that I don't like as much. And then I'm going to set a timer for 20, 30 minutes after that to do this um, bit that I actually really enjoy doing and that, that might be helpful as well mm, yeah I could see how that would work I would just need to remember to set the times <laughs> first place um even then but I guess I suppose I'm aware that this has to be done when you're not in addictive paralysis because it won't nothing there would be no nothing that I could be rewarded with all the timers it just I would not yeah. get off that sofa I'm not sitting there lazy my head is going three million miles an hour it's, <laughs> yeah. well, that's, a, that's a whole nother pod episode talking about that but yeah I, I think like you said rewarding yourself with one of the funner tasks at the end that could work quite well but I'm also wondering if you're lacking motivation at all would starting with a fun task as well get you into it so that you're not like oh I've got to do that but I don't want to I'd rather just because I find like if I've got a boring task even like writing for instance if I'm getting mm. bored I'll suddenly start doing chores that are not actually appealing but they're just it's a distraction to get away from doing it so um that's I how I spent my time at uni that was um, another <laughs> yeah, another way go. of me loving if whenever I had an essay to do I would suddenly the house would become very tidy that's <laughs> me yeah I think that's a common thing for everyone isn't it with procrast <laughs> procrastination is a massive thing yeah. yeah no I think that could work I do like the sound of that and I think you also work with organization don't you so yeah for me that's another major area of, of neurodivergence is that Yes, I can suddenly get these hyper-focuses where I'll suddenly declutter loads and be really mm. impressed and my, my room is nice for a month maybe. Um, but keeping it like that is mm -hmm. another... I, I assume there are lots of strategies as well for that, isn't there? It's a whole other... Like, are there, is there any advice of ways to maintain once you've decluttered so that you don't get back into that or slip into that old way where in another six months you're back exactly where you started? Yeah, so I think that it kind of relates to this all or nothing thinking, which I think so many of us are guilty of. It's either we, you know, we set ourselves up to for failure, really, in thinking everything is perfect now and, and everything has to be maintained in this perfect way. And and then the minute we let something slip, we tend to think, oh, it's well, that's it now. I won't. It's a bit like that thing with the, you know, eating healthy and then um you know you, you slip up and you, you end up eating a load of junk food and rather than just letting that go you'll be like oh well I'll eat badly for the rest of the day or even for the rest of the week and fresh start on Monday like it's it's so common to have that um mindset about it so to get round this all or nothing thinking um because I think that is the cause of us letting things slide 
is to as much as possible try to ditch this perfectionist mindset and we can do that by making things as easy as possible for ourselves so first of all when we're organizing our home try not to overcomplicate things try to keep things grouped together for example one client had was uh, putting furniture together and asked if she should screw um the spare uh you know stick the spare screws on the bottom of a piece of furniture so that that's there and she knows where that is it's underneath that furniture which I can see I can see how that would work but then I'm thinking if you've got some there and then some in your toolbox you're going to be thinking oh where, where actually is this item so I think as much as possible keep things grouped don't scatter them about in a place that you would think is logical at the time but try and, try and ha- house things in one home. And also the way that you're storing things can help you um, to make it easy for yourself to put things away. So if they are grouped like that, you're going to find things easier to find. Um, if you're storing, for example, um, you get these lovely boxes, storage boxes. Clients always have these with lids on. And I often say to them, do you really need the lid? Because if what's happening is you're having to lift that lid up to put the item back in the box, it seems simple, but it's just one tiny little step that may put you off of putting it back in the box. And what may happen over time is that you'll be in a rush one day and think, oh, I'll put it next to the box or on top of the on the lid and I'll put it in the box when I next come to that. And then over time, this shelf where you've got your neat boxes with the lids on becomes cluttered for that reason. So it's when you make it really easy to put things away Um, another one is you know don't stack too many things up high try and store things um was it vertically that's the one I always miss up um horizontal and vertically try and store things vertically so that it's you can find things and put things away without having to take things out put things away make it easy and then another thing that you that you should really do I think to to stay on top of it is put a bit of time in every day and that's it, it is hard work it really is um but doing say 15 10 15 minutes every day of just going around your house and tidying up will help will help massively and and that's far better than trying to do it all one day a week or or really doing a big clean up once a month um, and again if you can set a timer say for, for 10 15 minutes it almost makes it into a kind of Oh, I've got to beat the clock um, or something that I do. Um, I quite like counting. I quite like numbers. So I'll say, I'm going to put 10 things away now and I'll count to 10 and I'll just put 10 things away. Um, and it feels, it just makes it a little fun game for me. I'm just obsessed with like numbers and, and yeah, so that's, but doing a little bit every day, definitely I think is very helpful, making it easy. And with regards to, um, to the kind of bringing things into the home. So this can be a major issue. So even if you've decluttered, you're going to presumably be buying new more things over time. So it may help to write a checklist of questions personalized to you and the reasons why you tend to buy things. A checklist of questions that you can ask yourself um, and take it with you maybe write it on your phone in the little notepad bit on your phone and take it with you and before you buy something get out your checklist and make sure it fits in with the with the predefined questions that you've asked yourself and those could be something such as say it's a clothing um, an item of clothing it could be this 
would this go with at least five other things that I own already in my wardrobe? Would I wear it to more than just this one occasion that I'm thinking of? Does it actually suit me? Um, have I got anything similar to this already in my wardrobe? And these questions will be really personal to you and, and to the to the items that you tend to buy a lot of, but that can really help limit the amount that you bring into the home. Yeah, that's a big issue for me with impulse spending. Uh, is part it? Of it. Uh, you get into that dopamine. Oh, oh, this is exciting. I could get that and that'd be great. And then, you know, a year on, there's still these clothes in a cupboard that have the tags on mm. that haven't been touched. And I think that's another thing I wanted to ask with the organisation thing. Mm. I obviously, uh, you know, with the ADHD, there is object invisibility. So when I shut that wardrobe, I don't see those clothes. I don't think to wear them. Literally, that's how that works. So I'm putting things in boxes with lids because I don't want them getting dusty because I don't like dusting. Mm. And it's not something I do very much. Um, and things like that. And I have a lot of chronic pain, so I don't want to be doing more cleaning than I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. So boxes are hard, my friend. But yes, it sounds like they're not great, like you said, because, oh, now I've got to go and lift that up again and try and put this back now. I've got it out. I can see what you're saying there with, well, yeah, I'll just dump it on the side and I'll do it later. And then maybe that later doesn't come. Um, mm. but with is there ways of organizing things where you can kind of still see things so that you use them um regularly and they don't just get wasted away um but that it's still tidy and not you know just piles i have these dune piles everywhere the things mm. just i'll use it if i can see it it's on the kitchen side but then the, the kitchen side is a cluster then do you know what i mean is there is there ways of, of organizing in a way that you can see it but it is a way I think this is also a big a big thing for people with ADHD, isn't it? Having those visual reminders of things, I think, as, as you mentioned earlier. And I, I don't personally see a problem with being able to, to keep things, vis- like, see, you know, see things, keep things out. Um, and whether whether somebody, whether you like doing that is a very personal thing um, because some people equally like things hidden away behind closed doors. If you do, if you are someone who likes to see things, pick clear boxes so that you can see what's in them you might even go so far as to remove the doors on your cupboards so that you can see what's in them Uh, and again that is a visual preference because I understand how it and uh, and for a good point you said about the dust as well I can understand how that may be a big an extra um barrier to that but yeah consider things like that and and another thing um that may really help is to label putting if you are keeping things behind closed doors have a label and you may even get a picture label um some clients have had this one works really well for children to have you know they have the little calax units with the little um boxes and if you can maybe print off pictures of of you know the group or category that's in there have it laminated stick it to the front that may help to yeah be able to see it without actually having it all out in front of you yeah that's a good idea I did actually buy a label machine a few months ago did where you? you type them onto it and then you, you st- yeah, you, I thought I'm going to start labeling like drawers so that I can like, categorize things and put things away and, and then I'll know exactly where they are. It's still in its packet four is months it? on because like, that, that in itself is quite a big task. So then, right, I need to actually make sure, you know, there's set things in set boxes around the house to then yeah. label them with that and put it on. You know, so yeah, I've. <laughs> I want to do that and I think I saw is it the home edit that Netflix program yeah yeah those American girls and everything they do looks amazing and there they use a lot of clear perspectives and they label them but you you just get into that thing well 
hang on now I've got to try and go where can I buy all this that's not going to cost a fortune all these clear beautiful things that then these they have those in the fridge what are they called where they they go round and round they're clear and they have these oh tops. the lazy Susans, the little yeah they have even those know, in cupboards I'm not a fan of those oh really no I think they're a space waster personally I'm I I tend to try to minimize the amount of gadgets and things like that give you an example I worked with a client this week who has um a sock drawer and has these I don't know if if you've heard of those these little like hexagon things that are like drawer dividers and each pair of socks goes in a different hexagon oh Um, wow that can't leave much space though can that that'll be like four socks in a drawer (laughs) that is one issue yeah but you see it all over um Instagram and and Pinterest of these pictures of like your pairs of underwear and your bras all individually separated and I would say for things like that my personal opinion on that is that it does look beautiful and it's very much down to the individual and how much time you can realistically invest in keeping things that way and how much time you want to invest in things keeping that way but unless you really need things separated you know why do we need to separate our socks into individual boxes because a sock is a sock and it's all a group so my thoughts on that would be just keep your socks together in a drawer try and keep these things as simple as possible you know unless you need the turntable bit in your fridge don't get it and we can make use box-wise. Boxes are so handy, um, especially on shelves. So basically turning shelves into like low-down shelves, turning them into drawers and then storing things vertically is a great way of like you pull the drawer out, you can see everything that's in there and it's kind of handier than having things like getting lost at the back of a shelf. So I love boxes. but And you can... With, mo- with most of my clients, I say they, I, I tell them to just make use of what they've got in the home because they will have them laying around. And then you can invest over time in the clear ones or in the pretty ones that you want. Um, but I think it comes back to that all or nothing thinking and that perfectionism or as less, unless I can dedicate this huge amount of time and get all of my house grouped, categorized and buy everything that I need for it, I'm not going to even try and attempt it. Whereas if you think, oh, I'm going to start with this one small area and I'm just going to use what I've got and I'm going to keep that bit neat um, it might be a little less overwhelming I totally agree I do have I've always had a perfectionist issue Me to the too. point where if you, yeah and it's a classic diversion thing really because you get to the point of you're so scared to fail as well it's the RSD side the rejection sensitivity stuff where if it's a massive task and you realistically don't think you're going to achieve that today we just won't do it then because I don't want to yeah. fail or it won't be perfect. It won't be the way it's supposed to be. So just don't do it at all. But that in itself is bad. Like you said, it's better just at least to start it. Yeah. And then at some point you might finish it, but it's trying to get the brain to work with that sort yeah. of logic is, is the difficult thing. And like you said about all my food cupboards, to guarantee you at the back of there will be tins of things that I haven't used for three years because I forgot I don't see them I see what's at the front of the cupboards so even trying to find ways to I suppose I guess I wonder if that's why they use those turntables because you're spinning them you're then Mm. getting possible access to things that otherwise would be in the corner at the back I don't know but like you said it takes up space I don't know if there's better ways of doing that yeah well that's where I said I would I would use a box for things like that because then it's it fits the shape of the cupboard a lot better because you're not losing that 
you know, whereas your cupboard's square or rectangular and you're putting a circle into it and losing the edges of that space. If you could use a box, you're not losing the edges of that space and you can pull it out. But I do understand. And and I do understand that visually turntables look better and you can see things and you don't have to pull the box down. So it is just individual preference and and how much how many how much stuff you've got to fit in the cupboard. You know, yeah, if you haven't got thing, that much, it? get the yeah. turntable. Um I wonder if maybe having ways of it's some things at the back are slightly raised so that you can see them above. I don't know. I'm not very DIY friendly, but ways yeah. that you can see the back of the cupboard. You can buy those. Oh, can you? Can you? Buy those that, yeah, they're called, uh, I think they're called Steps. Um, uh, John Lewis sells them. You can also get them from Amazon. Um, clients love these. Again, I I personally see them as a little bit of a space waster um but it really does depend on how much you've got in your home and how how you want it to look and whether it's what's what's more important to you um, yeah yeah I guess it depends on I, I'm wondering if it, we would lose much space if it's just tins in a cupboard but yeah if it was yeah. other things but if you can see them therefore you're using them it's probably ideal yeah. isn't it so yeah, yeah I suppose take it yeah like you said ask yourself those questions yeah um, if you're somebody who really needs to see things, if it's yeah. really helpful to you, then those things might be really helpful. Mm, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And I guess the other question I had as well about organising is, mm. is there a way you can organise your, like you were talking about your sentimental memories, things, it's quite likely that ADHDs have more because we're so scared mm. that we're going to forget them. So we keep more, I think. I'm, you know, I've not done science on that, but I'm guessing. Mm. Is there a way that you can visually have those reminders without having so much clutter so rather than I don't know 35 photo albums and ticket stubs and certificates and items from days out you know what I mean is there ways of still keeping a visual memory but without all that stuff do you know what I mean so a tip that floats around in the decluttering organizing world is to take photos of things and I know you mentioned photos funnily enough but you know take digital photos and store those so you could keep those in in folders um in in the cloud somewhere of the items that you're decluttering so you don't actually have to keep them keep the physical item but you can have the memory and that actually is a good technique and it helps people to let go of it knowing that it's not lost completely that they've got the, the visual aspect of that memory there and they can find it in this folder and look at it if they want um, so that could be a useful one. Yeah, but I, I, but I do think with with physical sentimental, um, it can just be very helpful, as I said earlier, to set yourself a, a spatial limit, um, such as a box for a particular sentimental item, um, and that way I find it's really nice because it's not just getting put in a loft and never seen again. You're keeping it. You're keeping you're presumably have to be keeping it somewhere quite close to you because you're going to be adding to it over time if it is something that you're adding to and and that way you can relive your memories more regularly because you'll be going through this box of sentimental cards for example and saying oh that's really nice and I remember that and oh yeah and 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 a tip there would be if you find a picture or a, a concert ticket for example while you're looking through this and you don't remember where it's from you might ask yourself then well if I can't remember this picture being taken if I can't remember where it is or I don't remember that concert how important is it to me really to keep it then 
Whereas if if you're looking at the pictures and you're, oh, I remember that, that was that holiday from this time or this, I loved this concert. If you're remembering it as you're looking at it, then that's an indication that you may want to continue that memory. But if it's gone already. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. But it wasn't that important, possibly. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have my issue. <laughs> but And I guess another thing, you've given us some tips about the decluttering and the organising. Are there any other like really good ones for people that are embarking on either of these tasks that you haven't mentioned yet that you want to? Categorise. Just, I think I've, yeah, can't drive this home enough. Before you declutter, categorise everything if possible. It, and I don't, you know, if you've got stuff laying all over the house, you may not be able to find, you know, you may not be able to find your T-shirts from all over the house, but for example. But if you're doing a, if you're doing a cupboard or a specific room, try and group things before you make the decisions, because it's easy to make decisions, um, decluttering decisions, when you can compare it to things. Yeah. And it just makes it a bit quicker. Um, but that part is a bit tedious, the kind of grouping things together before you go. So and would um, you try and get people to help you, like if you have a family or partner mm-hmm. or whatever, and they're not so good either, would you, for that sort of thing, when you're just gathering everything, is it a good idea to get as many people as you can in the house to go, right, let's get all the shoes from the, the porch or let's get all the board games around the house and let's have a good mm-hmm. look at them in one room and let's all put them in the living room. Would that help rather than you just doing it on your own while everyone else is doing their own thing and chilling (laughs) yeah definitely if you can get them involved yeah and I think um for that part because that part you're not actually making really big like hard decisions for play some music you know have some have something fun and motivating going on in the background because that bit will be quite tedious so it's it's all about pumping yourself up for it and then when it comes to the more difficult kind of I'm going to sit here and make decisions and you might find that it's easier to have a bit of quiet or I don't know and mm. it's you know it's very individual but um yeah that could be another thing that's could be really helpful uplifting music yeah I think some of those tasks I do better if there's some yeah really good music going on but other times when it's coming to the thinking of the emotional stuff do I want to keep that for instance mm. I turn it down I'm like right I really need to yeah. think about this what do I keep but yeah so I think like you said the initial bit is great to do that and I guess if you've got kids or partner or, mm. or people that aren't helping and some of this stuff is theirs, particularly kids as well, actually, is there ways of getting them on board to try and do it? Because it can be quite boring. I'm just thinking my 10 year old, and I'm mm. like, we've got to go through your room. He's like, oh, no. And he'll just, he wait. It's really hard. Is there ways of getting him to engage in it? And he doesn't want to get rid of anything. You know, right. you haven't used that toy in four years, but, oh, but, but now I've seen it, I'll use it now and I don't mm. want to get rid of it. Uh, mm. And it, he's got the same thing as me, where he's just, it's under the bed. I don't remember I've got that. I'd rather just go on a game. But when it's given it to him, he'll play it, but then it goes under the bed again. Is there like a way of helping them helping them when they don't necessarily want to get rid of anything? Is there techniques or ways of doing it so it's fun for them to, or at least bearable to try and do the process with you? It is really hard for children to let go of things. I see, I see this quite a lot. With little children, it would be a case of the parents making those decisions for them. And when you're a parent, you'll you'll know you'll know when your child reaches that age where you think that you need to include them in that process. Um, but for younger children, it may just be that they're and obviously do it at a time when they're out of the house or not around, so it's not distressing with them. And and you'll be able to tell, you know, looking at them, what which of the toys and things that they play with regularly and which they haven't touched in a long time, 
but it is helpful to get them involved in the process somewhat. And I think that needs to be a real, a gradual thing that happens um, as a child gets older. So at first it could be something like, we've tidied your room now. We've got a little pile here um, that we'd like you to look through of, of old things. And we might, you know, think that there could be a, a few of these things that we might give to a charity or something. And so get them involved in a really small part of it. Same as with the um, organising, you may say, oh, we've we've kind of all tidied your room for you, but we've we've left this bit here and we've got some some little stickers or labels here. If you don't know if you want to, you know, label these bits or something or, you know, something that you think that, you know, you know your child best and, and the things that they would find fun involve them in in those bits it, it is hard with children because they are so attached to their things it, it may help to to explain where the item is going so and if they can choose to gift it to somebody or you know donate it to their low like school raffle or to uh women's aid or, or you know take it some to somewhere and and then they could be a part of that process of, of re-gifting their old thing to to a lovely home yeah and i've done I, that with my son i think have you? but i've explained to him there are kids that don't have any yeah. of this and, and it is hard nothing. isn't it yeah and then he then can relate to oh well there's kids out there that that don't have any toys or maybe only a couple and I've got all these. And then he starts to think of it a bit different and like, well, actually, I don't need 20 Transformers. Um, mm. If they've not even got one, they can have five, you know, and then he, that is a way of doing it. But I guess now he's 10 and he's, he's nearly 11. It's looking at, I want him to have more tools when he's older to know how to do this without getting into the struggles that I do and giving him that that ability to start learning how to do it for himself as he hits teenage years yeah I would say be as specific as you can with when it comes to especially with tidying be as specific as you can with your instructions so we get this as children you know it's go to your room go and tidy your room and that can be really overwhelming for children whereas if you're saying you know I've noticed your your clothes are on the floor you need to hang your clothes you know, or for a younger child, it might be, can you please tidy those, put those toys away in that box? Being as specific as possible helps to break it down. And, and then it's less of, oh, what am I actually doing in here? I've been told to tidy, for example, and I don't know what that actually means. And I think it's a hard one as well, but just trying to be, you know, it's a cliche of be the change you want to see in the world. But if you're, if you're role modeling these behaviors of generally trying to put things away after you've used them and and if you're doing a regular declutter of your things and you're verbalizing that you're explaining what you're doing it will eventually kind of catch on as, as something that's that's normal for them to do as well yeah no that's perfect that's what I've been trying to do hoping that <laughs> hoping that it seeps through we shall see um I'm sure thank you so be. much for coming on because it's been great there's I've got now oh. some ideas of ways I can try and change things in the house and, and like you said little ways to start and and definitely grouping it all before I do it is it's going to be key that I, I don't think I've done that before and then it will really mm. show me how that works if I do it I'll end up putting it on Instagram probably tagging you in but if yeah. other people want to find you whether that be to see what you do work with you because you live in Brighton don't you so if, if mm-hmm. people are in Brighton that you understand that they can come and, and, and you can go to their houses and do this with them but you also work virtually don't you for people all across the country where yeah. do they find you if they want to have a look so you can find me at, at holeandhome.com. So that's W-H-O-L-E and home.com. And that's on Instagram and Facebook as well as my website.
Oh, perfect. And I will put all of the links in the show notes so that they can just click it. It's even easier, isn't it? And I'm, I'm guessing, do you put tips on your social media or, or things that you, you've done with some of your clients? I do. Yeah. You can see past examples on my website and um, there's lots of tips and, and reels and videos and stuff on social media as well. So sometimes seeing it visually as well as hearing it, it can really kind of inspire you to kind of do it, can't it? So yeah, I'm much more of a visual person as well. Um, Same. No, definitely. And hopefully you'll come back to talk about some of those things that you talked about before that I really want to hear more about. But thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've liked this episode, please help us out by liking, subscribing or leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people. If you've got any ideas about topics to cover on future episodes or questions about the pod or you even want to be interviewed for it, please get in touch on our socials using at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or email us on mindvoxpod at gmail.com.